I, this could be beneficial to me. And I think this is where changing it a little bit where, you know, you don't necessarily always need to have a problem to be working with a mental performance consultant, right? You just know that there is another level inside of you that you want to get to. Blake Ross, founder of Firefox. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook. Steve Jobs, creator of Apple. Three young and successful entrepreneurs. People tend to see teens as angsty, rude, and irritable. When in reality, teens can be some of the most successful and creative people. Welcome to Now I'm Here podcast. This podcast aims to teach the younger generations that no matter your age, the possibility of success is within arm's reach. All you need is a little perseverance and a strategic mindset. Like Walt Disney said, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Dare to dream. Now to our host, Sydney Jacobs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Now I'm Here podcast. Today, we have Kiri Langford. Kiri was actually a hockey coach of mine back in grade nine. She's currently a performance coach. Kiri, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I was trying to think of the same thing. When was it that I hockey coached you? Grade nine. Wow. Four years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time ago. I know. When you think about it and how much you've done and how much I've done in four years has... It goes by fast, but then when you think about it, you're, you can sometimes look back and be like, wow, look how much I've actually achieved in these past four years. You've probably achieved a lot more. <laughs> well, you pretty much had your whole high school. That's a big transition, yeah. right? That's a very big transition. That's very true. So, Kiri, you've done a lot of education. You, you went to York University. You went to Ireland for a year. You just finished a degree last month. Let's kind of talk about your education behind what you have. Yeah, so I did kinesiology at York University. Um, and while I was there, I was playing varsity hockey. Um, and then after I was done, I decided, okay, I like the strength and conditioning thing because I really loved coaching. I'm a female doing strength and conditioning. I feel like I need to do something to kind of get, you know, I guess a step above when I'm a female in a male dominated uh, field. So I decided I wanted to go to Ireland to do a master's in strength and conditioning. And there's only a few strength and conditioning masters in the world. And I picked Ireland because I have a lot of family there. So it was a really amazing experience that, you know, I have cousins that I now know quite well, where before I, you know, maybe met once before. Um, And then I came back, I worked for three, four years. Just now I'm kind of, I'm actually in the middle of doing another master's. Um, It's a long word, it's a long name. So it's at University of Ottawa. Uh, a human kinetics master's with a concentration in intervention and consulting. So yeah, I, a lot of times I just tell people it's an applied um, sports psychology. So mental performance. So my main goal kind of at the end, so I'll be done in December, 2021. And my main goal is I want to be a mental performance consultant. Okay. And your path kind of changed. You were an athlete. Yes. Um, do you want to kind of talk about the injuries and what happened to yeah. kind of take you away yeah. from playing sports? Yeah. So hockey, you know, I played a ton of sports growing up, but hockey was definitely my passion. And I was at, playing at York University. And in my 
third year, fourth year, so third going into fourth year, um, I started to get concussions or I got concussions and, and I played a little bit that year, but again, I didn't really understand concussions. I was at this point, I was an assistant captain. I was, you know, one of the leaders on the team. I felt like the team was really looking up to me. And so I would keep playing and I look back and I would lie to the athletic therapist and saying, yeah, I think I'm okay. Or, you know, oh, I don't want to say anything because, you know, I kind of feel okay, but I feel a little off and I don't want to not play. And I think a lot of times concussions at that point was just starting to get big. And I, I look back and I'm like, I just think, Kiri, why did you keep playing? I definitely had a month where I was questioning back and forth, am I concussed? I don't know. Well, I'm playing okay, but I just kept playing. And it just took a small little hit, like an elbow to the head, and it just put me off. And so that next year, I would work myself back to being playing, and this is my fifth year. So when you, in, in, Ontario or Canadian universities, you can play for five years. So this is, you know, technically at my peak. And I did not even wear the York University jersey to play. And so I, you know, I would work my way back up. I would start to get a little bit of contact. I'd get a slight nudge and then I'd go back and I'd keep doing this process for a whole season. And I probably would have kept on doing the process and it really wasn't until the doctor said, no, Kiri, you're done. Like your brain is not able to continue to play. And it's so funny when, you know, you're in it. And I think I knew, like, I think I knew that the doctor was going to tell me that, but I couldn't tell myself that. And I just remember like leaving in tears and the athletic therapist, the head athletic therapist, you know, came after me and, you know, talked and I think processing it all to kind of be like, wow, this, you know, it's actually coming to an end, my hockey. And so it was definitely really challenging, but I think when I step out, there's so many beautiful lessons that I've been able to get from my concussions. So when I was in my fifth year, I kind of knew, okay, I'm not sure how much of an impact I'm going to be able to play on the ice. And I actually had two players ahead of me who, one, who both of them weren't playing. And one, you know, she was still very actively involved in the team. And the other one, she kind of took more of a step back and wasn't nearly as involved in the team. And I saw both and I, I kind of looked at it and said, okay, I want to make sure, even though I cannot be on the ice, I want to make sure that I'm making the biggest impact possible and helping the team as much as I can. And so I kind of almost see myself as being like, the coach, I was the coach within the team. So at the point that I was in my fifth year university, I was working in the varsity gym at York. So I had the, a little bit of a strength and conditioning background. I was interested, I saw my own mental performance coach. So I was really interested in the mental performance side. Um, and so I would almost do, 
coach the girls there. I would lead warm-ups. I would help them with the workouts, do a little speed workouts. And then I would also, in between periods, have little pep talks with the girls and, and starting to, you know, I wasn't even graduated yet and I was already starting to do a little bit of coaching. And it's exactly like what you did when you were coaching us, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, combining the two. And so I... It was, it was an amazing experience just to open my eyes of how no matter what your role is, you can still make an impact and help. I, I look back and we were, there's so many what ifs, you know, so many what ifs. We were, we were two, you know, two points away, which is really the standings um, from making it to the playoffs. So a lot of times I question, oh, like, can you imagine if I would have been playing, you know, would we, would we have made it? We made it to playoffs. How it, but I can't go back and change that. So the what ifs, you know, it, it doesn't make me feel any better. So better to just focus on what I can control and still try to make that difference with whatever role I was currently given. For sure. And you played for Team New Zealand as well. I did. Yeah. And then you went back and you were coaching them as well. Yeah. And so that's sometimes too, which I wonder quite a bit, you know, would I still be playing? I'm 28 right now you know I realistically could still be playing hockey at an elite level um but my brain I I know my brain can't handle it and so um I do question and wonder quite a bit could I still be playing but the fact that I was able to go back and coach meant so much so I started in 2008 so I was 16 when I first started on the national team and I played for close to six years for New Zealand. And then I took a two year break because of my concussion. And then I went back and coached for two years. And so there was a big chunk of girls who I had actually played with that I was then coaching. And it was really amazing to just be back in that environment. And I loved it because I was able to integrate my hockey coaching, my mental performance and strength and conditioning. And just a lot of the times I noticed what I love to do is when I feel like I'm able to make that impact. And because I had already played with a lot of the girls, um, I guess they respected me. <laughs> which was amazing because I had such an amazing rapport with a lot of them. And a lot of them I really do see as friends because I was teammates and then I moved into that coaching role. Um, but just the connection we were able to have and then the, which then allowed for deeper conversations to be had. And then, you know, I felt like seeing them push themselves because of the conversations was really cool to just, you know, be able to then be on the bench and still make an impact with a team that really gave me so much and that I love playing for so much. Was it ever like upsetting or hard seeing your friends being able to play or your sister as well? She played for your kind yeah. of seeing her complete what you wanted to do. Was that hard for you? It was hard. It was. Um, I don't know if it would be, you know, 
necessarily that I was jealous of them. It was just more that I, this is something that I love to do. Just, and even today, like I'll go play, you know, just go out on the rink and I just feel like a little kid, just so much joy, just me out on a outdoor rink or whatever it might be. Um, and so it's more, you know, the loss of that joy and just that carefree and that feeling, not necessarily, you know, jealous of, I, I can't do that. And I, I, that jealousy kind of thing. So, yeah. And then now, so we've moved away from being the athlete to coaching. So what do you do now? Like your day to day, how do you help athletes? What do you do? So, um, after I got back from Ireland, I worked in, a hockey gym tpa so where we actually i trained you out of um for a bit and then i got a job doing strength and conditioning coaching at canadian sport institute ontario and that was an amazing experience working with different provincial and national level sports and so uh still today i am now a contractor with some sports and i'm working with provincial um equestrian and then national archery. And you picked up archery. I, well, yes, I have. So I find one of the best ways to get to know the sport, because I had no experience with archery before, you know, my knowledge of archery was Hunger Games. (laughs) Like, like that was my knowledge of archery before working with, with the sport. So I find the best way to get to know the sport is to actually do it yourself. And so it's really awesome, the sport of archery, that having a bow, I could start to practice and learn the basics myself. Now, I don't want to say it's easier to pick up because I would not say that, but it's definitely easier in a sense to shoot a bow than it is to another one of my sports was softball and just to make contact with a ball. I realized working with softball, I wish I would have played that sport and just how athletic you need to be um, to play the sport of and your coordination with softball. However, with archery, you know, most people can go for the first time and they can release an arrow. Doesn't mean it's actually going to be overly too accurate. And that's where the, the athletes that I'm working with, you know, they're consistently hitting tens hitting that bullseye from 70 meters wow put that into perspective 70 meters yeah so the ability to shoot myself um, for archery has really allowed me to understand okay well what are the key muscles that are being used also what is a little bit of the mindset so uh since COVID, I wasn't really able to, but I do want to do a competition, just a fun competition, just to understand, you know, what's that mindset? Because they're saying, you know, you are cognitively have, having to be turned on. You have a lot of adrenaline when you are on the line and doing, they have a shoot off that they kind of call it. So there's certain times when I, that would be helpful for me to experience it myself so I can understand it, but also it does help to build that rapport with the athlete. They see that, oh, you're coaching me. You've never done the sport before, but you're trying to learn the sport. 
And that's kind of really cool there too. And, but a lot of times I also ask them, right? They're the expert in their sport. I'm not necessarily the expert in that sport. So I'll ask them, okay, well, what's your position that you want to shoot in? Um, okay, do the, let's say it's a side plank, do the side plank like that, because that's going to mimic their sport more than what it might be for a different sport. So I guess that's my long way of saying that I'm still working with some strength and conditioning sports right now, but through going back and doing uh, my master's at University of Ottawa, I've actually had to say um, to stop doing a lot of strength and conditioning coaching because I want to focus more on the mental performance. And um, down the road, I want to work with athletes where I'm pretty much only combining strength and conditioning and mental performance. So is there an aspect that you enjoy most of strength and conditioning and like mind performance or is it you enjoy both equally? Is there something specific that you want to pick out? Yeah, that is a good question. I don't know if it's anything specific, but there's, there's different aspects. I think the biggest thing is I love being able to help. I love being able to make an impact. You know, like it makes me feel like oh, wow, I'm helping, which might be a little bit self-serving, but I don't know. It's just even as simple as sometimes when you hold a door open for somebody, it makes you feel good, right? You feel like you're, you're brightening somebody's day. Sure. Um, so when I look at strength and conditioning and mental performance, um, a lot of times mental performance or, you know, if any of these like consulting psychology I think sometimes they still have a negative association with them and athletes sometimes think, Oh, well, I only go there if I have a problem or, you know, I got to talk about my issues where sometimes you don't always have a problem, but you could be living a higher quality life. You could be tweaking your habits a little bit. And especially when we're talking about elite athletes, Olympians, that makes a difference. You know, we're constantly trying to get 1% better in that improvement. And so they're sometimes a little bit more resistant to the mental performance consulting. And so the biggest thing too with mental performance consulting is having a strong relationship with your athlete. Do, does your athlete trust you, right? Think about it yourself. If you don't trust somebody, are you regularly going to tell them your problems, your issues? No. Right? So do they feel that they can trust you? Do they also feel that you're knowledgeable, right? And do they feel that you have that athlete's best interests in mind? Do you have their interests in mind? And so the strength and conditioning allows you where, yes, I'm coaching them, but there's a lot more just interactions where we can get to know each other outside of the mental performance and we can build that relationship. And I'm also helping them get those small wins, even if it's just a small change in their a tweak in their form or I'm helping them, um, you know, they're seeing that improvement where they're going up in weight or whatever it might be. And so they're starting to build that rapport on the gym floor. And then it makes it easier for when we do mental performance consulting to have those deeper conversations. Also, 
a lot of times when you have mental performance consulting, you'll see an athlete, you know, once a week or once a month. And then you're kind of like, okay, so this habit that, or whatever, this thing that we want to change, go work on it and we'll check in in a month or whatever it might be. But if I'm seeing them more regularly for strength and conditioning, I can check in on them on how they're doing. I can also maybe, you know, maybe I do need to call them out. Hey, you said you wanted to work on your warm ups, or you said you wanted to work on being on time and you're late. What's up? What happened? Um, so it allows me to be there to support the athletes a lot more. And so I don't know if it would just be any one thing in particular that I love. It's more just seeing the athletes progress and improve over time. When we like think about what you do, we don't even think about the aspect of where business comes into play because like this is your job. You're not doing this. You're as much as you enjoy it, you're not just doing it for fun. You're not just giving it away. Like you need to make money in order to be able to like live. And like that means like you're an entrepreneur. You you're you're contracted by the Ontario Sports Institute. Yeah, Canadian. Something else. Canadian, Canadian Institute yeah. of Ontario. Yeah, you're close. There so you go. Like, do you have your own company? Do you want to one day hire people to work under you, make a firm? What are, what are your goals yeah. for the future with that? Yeah. So I currently do have my own company. I called it Curie Langford Performance Coaching. If I change the name eventually, maybe. We'll see. Um, so I have that. And then I actually have another branch called Long Point. And then it's like events. So I grew up on the road long point. And so that's kind of where it came from because my first retreat was there. And so anytime I run events, um, so I've done a wellness retreat, I've done a high performance retreat, I've done a hike and meditation that kind of almost goes under my long point and then I'll change whatever the event name is. Um, and I love doing that. So especially when we look in terms of retreats, I can definitely see myself running a lot more retreats, high performance. So you know how, remember when we went to uh, somewhere in Kingston to do a high, a team building? How much fun was that? That was very interesting. It was fun. It was interesting as well. Yeah. And so running, so I would come into teams and I would do the strength and conditioning. I would do team bonding. I would do mental performance um, and getting them out in nature. So running those. Um, and then when we look in terms of my own business, I really, I want to work, like I said before, pretty much only with sports and athletes where I can, can combine both strength and conditioning and mental performance. But then another uh, key aspect that I want to get into is meditation and visualization. So I find it's a good time. Like people in terms of society are a little bit more open to, oh yeah, meditation, visualization, I've heard it's good, but they don't always under know how to integrate it, how to first get started. So I really wanna tailor it more towards athletes. Um, and there is a difference between meditation and visualization. So teaching that difference and then also teaching them how to actually apply it and so I can those are kind of what I see in the future and then in terms of having a team around me I think I'm very much 
a team, you know, I played a team sport. I love working with team sports. So I wouldn't be surprised if I would have a team around me. As of right now, I'm not necessarily ready, but it is something in the future that I would love having others that are like-minded, you know, working together. We can bounce ideas off each other. Maybe some of the stuff like, you know, like the invoicing and the business admin side, I could, I could hand off to get help and support there um, down the line. So I'm excited. Like when I think about my future and what I want to do, um, I'm really excited to kind of see where it'll grow and evolve over the next few years. Is there like someone that you can kind of like say has done this before and has achieved success in it? Or are you just kind of, this is what I'm, this is what I like and this is what I want to do? Mm-hmm. There's definitely, so in terms of the business side, a lot of it is kind of self-taught. Like I will look at a lot of others and mimic what they're doing. A lot in the personal development, life coaching type world. So I've definitely learned a lot from uh, Gabrielle Bernstein. What she is saying, her message, I enjoy. But a lot of times I'll watch her for her message, but I'll watch her for her delivery. And I'll say, okay, what is she doing through a business lens and how can I maybe take some of the things that she's doing to um, integrate into my own business. So I would say in terms of life coaching, she definitely is somebody. Um, But it's a good point in terms of actually combining the two. I don't know many who are combining the two. Um, Should probably look, I, I know that's, Maybe I should backtrack. I know a few who are looking to start to integrate it, but they're almost at the same stage that I am. They're not actually combining the two. So So being someone who like is kind of learning as they go with businesses, what's like the hardest things that you've had to learn to get a grip on to be able to get the ball rolling on what you're doing? The hardest thing, I, I think sometimes it just takes way longer than you think. Like I think putting together a website and a promotion page and, you know, definitely the promotion side of things and marketing on social media, that that's the toughest thing for me. Um, And I think it's a little bit of a learning curve as I've done it more, it's become easier and it doesn't take as long. But I think sometimes, especially as I was first getting started, it's just, sometimes it's also just the motivation too, like, the motivation to start (laughs) when it's sometimes challenging. Um, Another tough thing for me is I'm almost too busy, right? So I'm focusing so much on coaching and, and being there for my athletes that sometimes I forget to take a step back and, and kind of you think, okay, well, where do I want to be in a few years or um, where, where should I be investing more of my time to get my business to the next level? Um, and I think COVID was pretty good for that too, right? It, it kind of forces me to, and I think a lot of people to take a step back and reflect on where they really want to be. Are they investing their time in what is going to be the best return on investment and where they want to be? Is it going to help them in a few years down the line? Um, and so also I would say some of the roadblocks is just sometimes I get into my own head. 
right? Um, especially when I am running events, um, you know, running events and you're putting yourself out there and hardly anybody is really showing up um, or saying, or, you know, people are like, oh yeah, that's kind of really cool, but no, I can't join, right? And so you're kind of, you get into this mindset of what am I even doing? Is it even worth it? And then I usually run the event and, and you know, this is awesome. I love doing this. Um, it's more the promotion that is a lot of the work, but I think it does pay off in the end. I feel like it's more, it's still something that like people don't look as, as important or as necessary. Like when you think of mental skills, you don't realize how much of an athlete's performance really relates back to their like mental state. It's all like just on their actual like body and like how they're going to perform and their strength and their conditioning and their practice. But people don't realize that like your head, like you got to get your head in the game. Like if your head's not there in the mental state, you're not going to be able to play. So it's, it's like similar to like the stigma around concussions when yeah. you were having your concussions, people didn't really know how bad they were. But now it's like everyone needs to take courses on Rowan's Law, like everyone, you can't play a sport, you can't participate, you can't coach without knowing like the rules and regulations and I feel like the the mental side of athletes is and of everyone just in life in general is starting to become more of a topic that is more talked about and something that we're going to see more in the future more common and more that people are going to want and that's that's probably like the issue people are like yeah it sounds cool but I don't think I need it I'm fine but really there's so many benefits within it that people don't see currently yeah I love that point and it's so interesting because if you watch pro sports and you hear the commentators, you know, they're talking about, oh, their mental strength and look at how, you know, strong mentally they are. And, and they talk about to sometimes if they don't win, they have a mental breakdown and it's seen and it's known. However, a lot of people don't want to admit, oh, I, this could be beneficial to me. And I think this is where changing it a little bit where, you know, you don't necessarily always need to have a problem to be working with a mental performance consultant, right? You just know that there is another level inside of you that you want to get to. And in order to get to this new level, you can't just do the exact same things, right? Or you'd be there by now. You need to change something, a habit, a mindset, how you approach your training, or maybe it is actually your performance in terms of your games um, in order to get there. And so I do hope it's gonna improve and be more you know, accepted. And a lot of times it's just that, that mental health, right? How, can, how is it that you know, we train our bodies, but it isn't necessarily accepted to train our minds where in reality, I see it no matter what, every single day, you are training your mind. You have 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And so if you're not purposely training your mind, you're training it and you're just leaving it up to hope that it's going to be good. And sometimes it is, right? Like, look at how far a lot of people have gotten with just the day-to-day and you know how they have their upbringing and that's their thought processes however a lot of times once we want to get to that next level 
we need to change something. We need to, you know, work a little bit on our mindset. It's hard to see the positive impact of working on your mindset. Yes. I know, like when you started coaching me, I was kind of like, (laughs) you're telling me to lay down on the ground and listen to this music and think about how I'm going to play. Like, like it was in grade nine. Like maybe I was just like, this is stupid. Like I was like young, you know, but like looking back, it could have really helped me. You know, when you go to the gym, you can see the improvement. You can Mm -hmm. feel it. You get a good workout. You're sore. Whereas it's more with the mental side of it. It's like small increases that'll like very little at the start. But then the more that you get into it and the more effort that you put in, the gains will be so much more significant. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's coming into life too late that people are already like, I'm fine. Why do I suddenly need this? And then it's too late for them to get into it. So you really need to have the mindset that like, I'm going to accept this is going to help me. But it's hard for people who are just starting to learn about Mm -hmm. what like training your brain is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's not necessarily ever too late. Um, But it is a lot of times people wait until they have a problem. They wait until they have an issue and it makes sense, right? Like we are driven by pain and pleasure. So we are going to wait until the pain is too painful for us to live. And then we have to be, then we are kind of like, oh, okay, I need to change. I need to make a difference. And so if we can understand too human psychology, that it's human psychology is designed to survive, not to, you know, strive and perform, right? It's just meant to survive. So if we're doing pretty good, why are we going to expend more energy than we need to because we're doing pretty good at surviving and so if we can also understand that then we can understand oh yeah it's not always easy to get to that next level because our brain is not wired to be a high performer yeah that really gives like a lot to think on about like and that's why too a lot of times when you look at habits like exercise diet um, you know, just sleep, why we really struggle at them because the pain, if we look at the end outcome too, it, that pain isn't big enough. So I look at it in terms of, so since my concussion, I can no longer eat gluten. Because of your really, concussion? Yeah, which is really like, weird. Are you celiac? No, of- it's like, it, it's nothing to do with my stomach. It's totally brain fog. Like I eat concu- or I eat gluten and within two minutes, two to five minutes, I'm like, ooh, I'm kind of foggy and out of it. So it's really weird. But the pain of getting foggy and out of it, so that end consequence is high enough that it doesn't, I'm not even motivated to eat something that's gluten. So pizza or a cake or like something, even sometimes like a beer. And you're making right? me hungry. I know, right? So most, most people, if you look at it, you know, they're like, ooh, would you like a slice of pizza? They're like, ooh, I would, but maybe I shouldn't or whatever it might be. Where for me, I'm like, oh, I can't eat that. Like, no, I don't. Because, I, and this wasn't always the case, but it's just now the pain of that consequence is too large for the pleasure I'm going to currently get that it's so easy for me to make that decision. And so that's what a lot of times we're trying to do is understand, okay, well, how 
what is the pain involved with this decision? And once we can really understand that humans and we are, we are driven by emotions, not actually rational and our conscious, it also makes it a little bit easier when we're making these habit changes as well. Yeah. It's really like interesting to see how you're able to apply it to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel it's, how are you going to teach someone if you can't like follow your own teachings almost, but I find it always really interesting to see how does someone use this in their day-to-day lives. And that's like where I can say like, I can grow the most when I see that it's working for them. They're not just telling me. It's not like my teachers used to not know what they were teaching me. They'd read it the night before and then they teach it to me. And it's like, you don't even know the stuff that you're teaching me, but you're supposed to be my teacher. Mm. Whereas with you, it was always like, I could see the way that you were implementing it into your life. And it kind of drove me to really be like, wow, this really does work and I can use it. Yeah, I love that. And I, I definitely do strive to try to implement it myself. And I think that's, and I think that's where I feel I am the most aligned when I can say, okay, yes, I've tried this out myself. Um, I've been able to see the success and sometimes too, just, you know, seeing the success of others that, that also continues to build into that confidence that, okay, yeah, what I'm doing does make sense. Like it it is helping. Um, but I think, and, and that's sometimes too, where I start to get into my own head. If I'm, if there's times when I'm not exercising as much, there's times when I'm not journaling as much and, and I feel I'm not in as much of alignment and you know maybe I don't feel quite as authentic because I'm not doing what I preach and I think the biggest thing is just having that awareness right having that awareness of hey Kiri you haven't journaled in two three weeks like maybe you should get back into journaling you do enjoy it and so I think just having those ominous conversations with myself when I notice I start to get off the path just to notice not to shame and judge myself for it and then the next day just say okay I'm going to get back to it tomorrow's or maybe today, right? Why wait till tomorrow? Make it today. I'm going to get back into that. For sure. That's, that's really amazing to see. Were you always like this? Like when you were younger before kind of you stopped playing sports or did it really just get picked up afterwards? In terms of mental performance or in terms of just like your mindset of like being able to control yourself and tell yourself like, you should do this and then actually being able to like do what you tell yourself to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I still don't think it's overly too well, but maybe that's because I like set high expectations and I'm like, look at all these things on my to-do list I haven't done yet. But um, I think from being an athlete um, from a young age has taught me, Oh, okay. If I work hard, you know, look at the success I'm going to get. Also I'm dyslexic which I don't know if a lot of people actually know that I'm dyslexic, but at a young age, I really struggled in school, right? Like if you think back to your elementary school, they graded you on your spelling. And so they still do in university. Trust me, I'm losing a lot of marks (laughs) for it. They still do, but not nearly as much to the extent. And so I, I really struggled in terms of that. And so I think that taught me from a young age, okay, well, if you work hard, you can still get 
you know, get by. Because really in elementary school, I was getting by, getting C's and D's. Like I was getting by. But I kind of realized, okay, this hard work is paying off. This hard work is paying off. And it wasn't until I started to understand mental performance that I started to become a smarter worker, right? So I started to understand how to prioritize my time, how to, in terms of prioritizing my time, okay, well, what's the most important thing I need to do right now? Or if I'm, how to perform. So a lot of times it's how to get into a certain state to make sure that you feel good. You're telling yourself positive things while you are performing and focusing on things in your control. So I really learned through mental performance to be a smarter worker. Now, in terms of, you know, setting my mind to something and doing it, I think there, there have been lots of times where I'm, I tell myself, okay, I'm going to do this. And I don't, um, lots of times like exercise is a big one. So this is something I really struggled with going from an athlete to a coach. I was, you know, fully committed to strength and conditioning as an athlete. And once I kind of could understand my motivation, it's really helped. And so as an athlete, I was motivated because I wanted to make others proud. I wanted to play for my teammates. I, you know, that really drove me. That's my motivation. Um, or, you know, support them, but also, you know, I wanted to perform well. Once hockey was done, I was in awe of how hard it was to work out. I was like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, I was just usually so easy. Like, this, this is very hard. Yeah. And it's funny, but now, and it's actually not until, because I, so I, I kind of started to develop new habits and, and understanding my motivation, but it really wasn't until you know, this past year where I've looked at it a lot more and understanding, okay, well, I'm really motivated to work out, not for my body, but if I have an external goal, so if I, I did Olympic lifting for a bit, and that helps because I had an external goal, um, something I was training for, um, but also a huge driver for me is a social, right? Like I would actually rather work out with people and have that social interaction than anything else. And it makes sense. Like I played a team sport. I grew up on team sports. Like I love that playing, competing with others. So now that I understand my motivation, I put structures in place to help me. So, you know, I will do more because it's during COVID virtual workouts or, um, asking, I guess my boyfriend, we're doing, you know, cross country skiing, like we're doing. So now I put measures in place that'll help make it easier because I understand my motivation. And I think a little bit now I'm starting to enjoy exercise just to, you know, running and I guess cross country skiing, that kind of thing. Another big one for me going from being an elite athlete was you know, I used to think my workouts were an hour, an hour and a half. And now I kind of think, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to get an hour, an hour and a half lift. I just like won't even work out because I don't have an hour and a half in my time to get it in. Well, still do a half an hour. Like that's still pretty good. So I think 
being kinder to myself and, and saying, yeah, no, that's still okay to only do a half an hour workout. That's pretty good. Um, when I do kind of get busier and not necessarily prioritizing, you know, I'll prioritize my athletes over my own working out kind of thing. When like you speak specifically about athletes, you train athletes, you work with athletes, but a lot of what you're saying can be turned into different things. Like an entrepreneur, a business owner, someone who's like struggling to really put their ideas into action or to find time for themselves or just the way that they want to do things. It can all be turned that for that as well. Specifically, yes. you do it for athletes, but the, the mental side and the tips that you're giving can be given towards anything for students that are in school, for people that are, are starting their own companies. These are all the same ideas and concepts that can be taken and put into their lifestyle the way that they best see fit or the way that would work for whatever they're trying to achieve. A hundred percent. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's what I love too about the mental performance, right? Like it's no matter what, we are, we always have our thoughts and every thought is an opportunity for us to do a mental skills rep. Quite often we get stuck in habit loops and we have the same thought over and over and over again, every single day. Some help us, you know, like how we walk, you know, or very simple tasks where we want to continue to have that same habit loop. Others we might want to change from time to time. I think with that, we're going to call the podcast an end. I think we had a really great discussion and I really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you and catching up a bit. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Now I'm Here podcast and hope you listen to the next episode. Have a great day, everyone.